0: I think a picture is worth a million words. We have this rose bush that's probably about 12 feet high. For me to prune it, I have to get a ladder and get up on top of it and clip off the top of it. So it's it's that high. Maybe it's 14 feet high whenever it's full grown. It's it's a big rose bush. And about two years ago, somebody said, "Hey, I know how to prune." Pr- prune rose bushes. Do you want me to take a shot at it? I said, sure. So I left work for work. Big 12, 14 foot rose bush. I came back and we have others. It was 24 inches. Clipped. All it was, it looked like some dead root sticking out of the ground is what it looked like. But you know what? That thing came back with a vengeance. Beautiful roses. It grew up right back up to 10 or 12 feet in a matter of just a couple of months. Exploded. The most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And there's this verse in John 15, verse 2, I believe. Maybe. It says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be ever more, even more fruitful. And I tell you this because I think we're all going through it right now. Jesus is pruning us right now. And it doesn't feel good sometimes. It's not an enjoyable experience to see a branch that's on you that was once beautiful all of a sudden be bare and be the stub of a branch but Jesus is pruning us right now he is he's cutting things out of our lives that we trusted in even some good things taking them out of our lives and we wonder God what are you doing God's preparing us for intense fruitfulness intense fruitfulness and we need to cooperate with God and here's the other thing we need to realize what's going on in our lives it's not sometimes it's not satan and we get get behind me satan it's you no you know it's actually god in there cutting away getting us ready for for what god has for us cuz god has huge huge things for us individually and he has huge things for us together as a group so I wanted to share that with you. And that that really, somewhat, is, is so, sort of a theme. It's a theme for us in this coming several weeks is what God is doing in our lives and what God is doing to us. Did you know God does things to you? <laughs> he does. He does things for you. He does things through you. He does things to you. But look at this in Matthew 22. Um, remember, we're headed through Matthew. Now we're in chapter 22, and we're we're complementing it with other scriptures that we find in Mark and Luke, which I'm going to do this morning again. But look at this. If you want, if you want to read along with me. It's it's in Matthew 22, starting in verse one, and I'll tell you the theme here after we've read this together. Okay, Jesus said to them again in parables, saying. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Can you imagine? I got married and my mother and father-in-law prepared a banquet after the wedding. I remember a big old room, beautiful table set out, a central table with all this good food that I never got to eat much of because I was talking to people beautiful wedding cake. It was a banquet. So it was something like this. He sent out his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But you know what they did? They refused to come. Why would you refuse to go to a very special, special banquet that you were invited to? There's reasons for it. But why? Think about it for a second. Why would you turn down such an invitation? Well, we'll see here in just a second. Then he sent more servants, because these refused to come. He sent more servants and said, tell them who have been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted calf have been butchered. How many of you likes a good steak? A good pork chop? Yeah, any pork chop lovers here? All right, I remember once being in Washington, D.C. and eating a pork chop that was that thick. Usually pork chops are dry, This was juicy, yummy, the best thing I've ever tasted. So this is a good feast. Fatted calf has been butchered. Everything's ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But listen to this. But they paid no attention and went off. They paid no attention and went off. Where'd they go off to? Well... They went off to buy a field, another to his business, another to his career, another to success, another to this, another to that. They ignored the invitation and went off to do what they thought was better. Why do we ignore Jesus's invitation in our life? Because we think we found something better. That's the only reason. There's no other reason to tell God no. It's simply because we think we have found something that's better. Otherwise, we would just simply say, yes, Jesus, I'm coming. That sounds incredible. But no, these people had something better to do, or so they thought. The rest, though, got a little aggressive and violent. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. Jesus said in one of of the passages, he says, if you're not with me, you're against me. If you're not gathering, you're scattering. We cannot be Christians who sit idly on the fence between good and evil, between the divine and the natural, and say, I'm okay. You're scattering if you're doing that. You need to get on the right side of the fence. Revelations, it says, uh, you're lukewarm, and if you're lukewarm, in other words, neither hot nor cold for God, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That's pretty heavy-duty stuff that, that Jesus tells us. So they seize them. They kill them. The king was enraged. He sends his army and destroys those murderers and burns their city. That's Jesus talking. That doesn't sound very merciful. That doesn't sound very graceful. The reality is we, if we're lucky, we have 80 or 90 years to decide for Christ. And after that, all bets are off. We'll either be a sheep or a goat, and the Bible says he'll put the sheep on his right hand, the goats on his left hand, there's going to be heaven, there's going to be hell, no purgatory, no annihilationism. You will either suffer in anguish for all eternity, or you will suffer in glory for all eternity. That's what the Bible tells us. plain and simple, I'm not making these things up. So he says to his service, servants, the wedding banquet is still ready. But those I invited do not deserve to come. So go into the street corners and invite the banquet to the banquet anyone you can find. He had his initial in those invited. Now just go out and find anyone. So the servants went out to the streets and gathered all the people they could find. And that's what you and me should be doing. We should be going and finding all the people we possibly can find and inviting them to eternity with us. It's it's wide open for anybody. Nobody. We don't discriminate based on race, thank goodness, because no race is better than another. We don't discriminate based on wealth or poverty, sickness or health, beauty or ugliness. Anybody is open. Is invited to this 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 wedding feast. But listen to this, I find this very interesting. Go ahead and gather anybody that you can. The bad As well as the good and I want you to remember that for a second there's some people that are just simply good they don't know Jesus they're not Christians but they're just good people they'll give you the shirt off the back uh, off their back they'll they'll give you things they'll help you their answer is always yes they're just good people and so here we see that these servants go out and they find bad people that won't help you, won't do anything for you, and they'll find good people. So so keep that in the back of your mind here. The wedding hall was filled with guests, but when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there, either a good person or a bad person, not wearing wedding clothes, and he said, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? Now let me explain something about this. When the guests came in, they they may have been dressed really nice, they were good people, They were dressed really bad. They were bad people. Either way, they needed to be clothed with wedding clothes that weren't theirs to cover their goodness, to cover their badness. It didn't matter. To get into the kingdom of heaven, we need Jesus' righteousness to clothe us. We might be really good people on the outside. We might do really good things. Or we might be horrible. Either way, we need the righteousness of God to cover us and clothe us. When we get to heaven, that's going to be one of the... Two questions right there. What did you do with my son Jesus? In other words, his righteousness. And what did you do with the things that I gave you to work there on earth? Your talents, your gifts. What did you do with those things? We can begin to answer those questions today and prepare ourselves for eternity to have the right answer. But let me tell you what. You can be the best person in the world if you don't have the righteousness of Jesus clothing you. You can't make it into heaven. And by the same token, you could be the worst, most violent, vile person in the world. But if Jesus' righteousness is clothing you, you, you will be accepted by the Lord. The righteousness of Jesus is a free gift. And here's what I learned from this. We need to be, pay attention to the details. There's, a, there's details laid out in the Word of God that we need to pay attention to. God is a God of details. And it's interesting to me, the details that we think are important, God says that's really not that important. The things that we think are not that important, God puts huge importance on. We need to pay attention to the details and not just the details that God outlines, it's the details that are in our heart. God's incredibly interested in every area of our lives. There's no area of our life that we should shut our door to to God and say, I've got this handled. No, every detail, God, fix every detail in my life. If you're a negative person, that's a detail God wants to fix in your life. If you're gossip and talking behind people's backs, God wants to fix that detail in your life. If you're angry, God wants to fix that detail in your life. Don't put anything out, you know, say this isn't important. God is interested in every detail of your life. If you're a little bit arrogant, God wants to fix that detail in your life. If you could care two flips about coming to church or reading your Bible or praying, God wants to fix that detail in your life. Amen? He's interested in everything. He pays attention to the details. Well, the king asked this man, wear your wedding clothes. The man is speechless. You know why the man was speechless? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject my own thoughts here. The Bible doesn't say this. I think this man was a good man. He would lived a good life. He'd been kind to people. He'd done good works. He'd done all kinds of stuff. And here, all of a sudden, he's asked why he didn't have wedding clothes. He's thinking, aren't my nice clothes good enough? Aren't I good enough for you, Lord? Why do I need your righteousness on top of that? Well, look what happens to this man. The king tells tells his attendant, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are invited but few are chosen. The attention. Pay attention to the details. But let's look at this same or similar story in Luke 14 verses 15 to 24. Luke chapter 14 verses 15 through 24. It says, then one of those at the table heard him, speaking of Jesus, and he said to Jesus, blessed are those who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, sounds like a very similar story, and invited many guests. At, that, uh, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servants out to tell those who were invited, come, for everything is now ready. But listen to this, they, but they all alike, began to make excuses. And I'm telling you, this covers every single one of us, you and me included. We make excuses to God. The first said, I've just bought a field. I must go see it. Please excuse me. <laughs> All right. What does he want to do? He wants to see. And I re- I, see if you can identify with this. I remember before getting married, I'd say, Jesus, I want you to come back soon. And I want to go to heaven. But please let me get married first. and I've thought to myself things like, Jesus, I want you to come back, but I would love to see the world first, or I, here's another one. I really, and this is, I'm just opening my heart here. In the next two weeks, I'm going to be really open with you about things that God is dealing with me about, but here's one of them. I really want to be a success, In fact, I don't know too many people that don't want to be a success. We want to be successful in life. And I've thought to myself, maybe not articulated really clearly, but Lord, help me to be a success before I die. And we make excuses and we want to see and we want to do and we want to do this thing and that thing before Jesus comes. And Jesus said, no, you know what, I'm the most important thing. Anything that I have to offer you is way better than those things that you want to experience or see or, or, or have in your life. So for the first one, he wants to see things. The next one says, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. That's speaking of experience. God, I want to experience this thing, and I want to experience that thing. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that's bad, but don't do it at the expense of following Jesus. Don't, don't put that before Jesus because what he has you to experience is far greater than what you'll be able to experience in this world. Then a third one said, I just got married. It was my example, so I can't come. He just said flat out no. <laughs> the servant went back, reported this to his master. The owner, of course, got angry and ordered his servant, go quickly into the streets and alleys and towns and bring in, listen to this, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Why, why those people? Because those people tend to pay more attention to God because they're lacking something. And I'll, I'll submit to you that when something is taken out of our life that we're used to having or need or want or like, and that's taken out of our life, all of a sudden, God has some room in our life, magically. All of a sudden, God's important. All of a sudden, we need God. And, God. and that's what happens. He prunes us cuts us back so that all of a sudden God means something to us he's so merciful that he allows those things to happen in our lives otherwise we'd never give God the time of day sir the servant says I've already ordered this to be done but there's still room the master told his servant, "Go to the road, out to the roads, the country lanes, and compel them to come into my house, so that it will be full. I tell you, no one who is invited will get a taste of my banquet." I tell you what, you know what? The longer I live, I, I really, and this is something God's dealing with me. He's pulling this strong desire to be a success and to be something and be someone, and and He's working in each of our lives in some form or fashion. While I don't have the ambition to see this church full of people, at the same time, God wants his house full. He wants his house full. He wants Lorraine here, you know. He, look, think, you know, different people that I see are not here. For whatever reason, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But this, need, this place needs to be full of thirsty souls. People are hungry for God, who come in the door and want to receive from the Lord. That's why we're here. We're not here because we don't want to be here. We're here because we want to be here. And I, I tell you what, I, I look at certain people. I'm trying to think of a good example here. But someone who's sick, I'm going to pick on Willie Mae, all right? She can't walk in on her own two feet. But you know what? She comes. She drives herself here. You know, she gets in her... A wheelchair and she pulls herself in there's people who are blind that go to church they can't see what's going on but they still go to church why because they receive there are people who are deaf they go to church why because they receive that's that's really what it's about but but let's go back to this the, the whole point of this is attentiveness attentiveness to details attention to god matthew 22 5 we already read it but they paid no attention and went off they paid no attention and went off. I don't know if you guys watch this show on TV, it's called Shark Tank and they have a panel of about five very wealthy people bidding on business ideas. So people come in front of these, one, a couple of them are billionaires and they stand in front of these people and they, they pitch an idea, business idea to them and then they get one of these, they call them sharks, to invest in them or in their business and then there's some success stories and i'm sure there's some failures as well one of those people on that panel you may have heard of is called mark cuban he's a billionaire he owns the uh the uh dallas mavericks all right very arrogant guy all right but interesting to watch right and so he says something that's interesting to me he says of course he has since he has so much money he can say this he says my time is more important my money in other words he realizes this is actually a very smart statement if you think about it your time is really more valuable than just about anything else you could humanistically speaking you could say that my time is important I have a limited amount of time and I want to use it wisely to maximize the things that I want to gain in life so he says that but I want to submit something to you today that there's something more important than time and it's your attention span your attention span is one of the most valuable things that you have in life. Your attention gets consumed by all kinds of things. Your attention can get, be consumed by worries. Your attention can be consumed by your own beauty and you know whatever it is that you're proud of yourself about. Your attention can be consumed with work. Your, your attention can, can be consumed with your plans for your own future. Your attention can be consumed with just about anything. But it's highly valuable. And here's why your attention is so valuable. Your attention will determine your direction. Whatever you're paying attention to, that's the direction you're going. And the direction you're going is where you're ultimately going to end up at, your destiny. So your attention determines your your destiny. So if you have this much time for God, well, you're going to get this much of God. Right? If you have this much time for your career and success and your plans, that's where you're going to end up at. It's that's that that's just uh a, call it a spiritual law, a natural law. It's just it's just the truth. Now, Let's meditate on this scripture Mark, considering what I just told you, Mark 4, verses 22 through 25, all right, says, whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. Now, we're going to get into this a little bit more in the coming weeks, but it really sets the stage for your attention. Because whatever's in your heart is what you're going to attend to. It's what you're going to focus on. It's what you're going to think about. But here's here's the key that I want to uh, talk to you about this morning. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. So hearing, that's paying attention. Hey, consider how much are you, who are you hearing? What are you listening to? And how is that driving your life? What are you paying attention to? Let's continue on. It says, with a measure you use, it'll be measured to you and even more. With a measure of what? The measure of what do you use? Of attention, of attentiveness to God. With a measure that you pay attention to God, it'll be measured back to you with a knowledge of God, with wisdom, with peace, with love, with spiritual success, the measure that you pour into attentiveness to God, that's how much blessing will be poured back on you and then some. That's what the scripture says. Praise God. And so I want to be a humble listener. I want to be teachable. I want to pay attention to my teacher. Consider what they called jesus all the time while he was here on earth they called him teacher rabbi they called him teacher why was he a teacher because he had students that needed something to learn we are students of the teacher we need to pay attention to him it says whoever has will be given more but whoever does not have even what he they have will be taken away whoever has what spiritual attention span a spiritual attention span, a teachable disposition, will be given more, more of what? God's knowledge, God's wisdom, God's voice in their life. How many of you have said, I have not heard from God, it's driving me crazy. I feel dry in my spirit, I feel dry in my soul. I I hardly can get up in the morning. I tell you, if you're that person, start paying attention to God and he will water your life with his word with encouragement, all right? The reason why we dry up and shrivel up is because we haven't been paying attention to God. It's time to do that. It's one of the most valuable disciplines we can have. So how do we pay attention to God? All right, let's pretend like we're talking amongst ourselves as junior high students, all right? That we're young, we're inexperienced, we don't know how to pay attention to God. I'll tell you there's three words, wait, watch, and listen. And they're all spiritual words. Wait, watch, and listen. How much time did you spend, this is for you to answer the question, how much time did you spend this last week quietly waiting on the Lord? Quietly. Say, I don't have an agenda, God. I'm not asking you for anything. I have a blank sheet of paper, God. I'm just going to wait on you. How much time did you spend doing that? That's true spiritual attentiveness to the Lord is waiting on the Lord. Put out of your mind all your desires, all your petitions, all your requests. Say, God, what do you want? That's waiting on the Lord. I guarantee you not many of us have spent a lot of time doing that, including myself. We need to spend more time waiting on the Lord. The second one is watching. I watch. God, so start watching for what God wants to do. And stop saying, God isn't going to do it for me. He never comes through for me. Start watching for what God wants to do. Expect God to do something powerful this week. And start watching for God. Watch for God. Be hopeful. Be expectant. He loves his children. God, I'm trying to remember how the scripture goes. He, I can't remember the word. But he loves those who expect him to be loving and kind. God, it's the, the word isn't love, but he, he, he enjoys those who expect him to be loving and kind. Expect God to do something good this week for crying out loud. Stop expecting and being negative, thinking bad things are going to happen. God's going to do something good for you this week. Watch for it. But that's the second thing. The, the third thing is just to listen to God. Spend time listening to God. How do you do that? Read your Bible. You're going to hear God speaking to you so clearly. Listen to the Lord. Wait, watch, and listen. That's all summarized in this beautiful scripture. Brother Jimmy, we love Matthew 6.33. This might be my second favorite scripture, though. It's Proverbs 8.34. I've referred to it before. Blessed is him who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorstep. There's all three things all there, right there in one beautiful little scripture. Watching, waiting, and listening how we pay attention to the Lord. So here's a picture of what that looks like. In Luke 10, 38 through 42, we're almost done. Jesus and his disciples are on their way. They come to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She opened her home to him. Just as we've opened our heart to the Lord, she opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. There we have a picture of what it looks to wait, to watch, and to listen. What do we have to do? We need to sit at the Lord's feet. And I'm a big fan of using your imagination when you're praying. Picture myself sitting at the Lord's feet. Picture waiting on him to say something to me. Picture watching his face and picture me just listening to him. Use your imagination as you pray to the Lord. It, it makes prayer so much more fruitful, so much more wonderful. God, in, in, God gave us brains to use them. The Bible says, love the Lord your, your God with all your heart, your, your soul, your strength, your mind. Love the Lord with all your mind, your intellect. There's, you know, philosophy used in the right way. My dad brought up philosophy. Philosophy in the use, used in the right way is a very wonderful thing. The problem is we've turned to not, not used it appropriately. Philosophy, by the way, means love of wisdom. Therefore, philosophy in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. We should love wisdom. Use your mind to, to capture those pictures of what it would be like to wait on the Lord. So here's Mary waiting watching and listening as she sits at his feet but martha is what distracted not attentive not paying attention to the lord she's distracted by and i want to ask you what are you distracted by because all of us are distracted by something what is it mine's different than ron's and ron's is different than conrad's and jimmy's we're all different we all have different distractions so it'd be crazy for me to try to go through some laundry list you know what you're distracted by and say you know what i'm going to get away from these distractions and i'm going to sit at the lord's feet this week and i'm going to wait and i'm going to watch and i'm going to listen to him And you know what? You're going to see wonderful things happen because the the Bible tells us if you will measure out your attentiveness to him, he will measure it back to you and then give you some extra as well. He'll give you the deepest needs of your heart, your soul, your emotions. So she's distracted by, what is it? All the preparations that had to be made. Well, that was her personality. We all have our personalities and our things that distract us. She came to him and listened to what she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. (laughs) She complained. She complained about someone else. If you're distracted, you're always going to point the finger at somebody else. It's never going to be you. It's never going to be your problem. But you know what? We all have problems. We all have issues that God needs to work in our lives. And we got to do what the Bible says, stop trying to pull the log out what is it? The splinter out of somebody else's eye when we have a big old log in our own eye. <laughs> all right? Let's get our house in order first, and God will use us to help others. But let's let's have him put get our house in order first. Stop blaming others. Lord, I love how the Lord says this. Martha, Martha. All right? Put your name there jessica jenna you know steve steve when god says your name twice it's like oh come on and he does it to all of us he says our names repeats it he says you're worried and upset about many things let me tell you what when we're distracted we're worried and upset about many things but listen to this i love how god makes things so simple he says but few things are needed indeed only one thing is needed I love it. God brings everything down into a single thing that resolves many things. And I found that in at work and with family. A lot of times, one solution fixes a lot of problems. One solution fixes a lot of problems. And here, I love that Jesus doesn't really explain what it is. He says, Mary has chosen what's better, and it's not going to be taken away from her. But if you read this, and you read it, with a a, a spiritual thirst to understand what God is trying to tell us through the Scripture, what he's telling us is Mary has chosen to be attentive to to the Lord, and you're not going to take that away from her. All right? So I, I challenge you. Man, one of the most important things we can do in life is be attentive, have an attention span for God. In a world where there's ADHD and ADD, and they name it a host of different things, attention deficit disorder, God doesn't want us to be that way. He doesn't want us to have an attention deficit disorder with Him. In Psalms 10, I love this scripture, it says, In his pride the wicked man does not seek Him, that's God, in all their thoughts there's no room for God and all their thoughts. That's in Psalms 10, verse four. How much room do you have in your mind for God? If you did a little pie chart and carved out the part, the section of how much time and attention you give to God, how big would it be? The Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. It also says in Colossians three, set your hearts on things above it says in colossians 3 also set your thoughts on things above and i'm going to tell you we'll get into it next week i'm going to end with this the statement here your attention is directed by what you love that's all it is your attention is directed by what you love by what you desire and by what you crave And so if you're distracted which we all are i'm distracted you're distracted if you're distracted it's because there's some imperfect affection in your heart that needs to be uprooted and that's what god's been doing to me in the last two weeks is uprooting this very ugly thing that's been in my heart and i'm going to tell you what it is next i'm going to be very open with you he's pulled this thing out of my life he's pruning me he's cutting me back and he wants to do the same thing for you (laughs) He wants to do the same thing for you. So be ready because that's the work that God's doing in our lives right now.